All right, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, we'll just look at one verse, verse 1. The Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And let's pray. Lord, help us as we talk about this important subject tonight. Help us to understand it, to desire it. And Lord, we want to be full of the Holy Ghost. We desperately need to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I ask that you would grant that to us so that we could bring you much glory. Speak through me now. as Give us ears to hear what you have for us tonight. Bless the special and the message. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. For these times, let's pray, Lord, thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We pray that that song would resonate in our hearts this week. Lord, we ask that you'd be with us now as we turn to your word. Open our hearts, help us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we begin our spring program next week, 
I wanted to take a, a moment and just give us a reminder about being full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Meek Young mentioned the supernatural theme in, the, in her testimony, and right now we're actually trying to get some of that information finished and compiled into a book this spring, uh, 20 chapters on uh, living a supernatural life. And so I've been rereading some of those things, and it's been a help to me just be reminded of, of some of those truths that we were had gone over, because that really is the key. Um, you and I only have so much strength. We only have so much wisdom. And it may be a lot compared to your kids or your neighbor, but ultimately it's not a lot compared to the needs of our lives and of, and, and of the world. And it's not a lot compared to what God has. And so being full of the Holy Ghost is our opportunity to really have God working in us and through us in a supernatural way. And I think the crowd I'm talking to tonight would understand that and sense that need. Uh, you know, the outward man perishes, the Bible says. And, you know, it's easy to get tired. It's easy to get worn down. Sometimes we even get weary in well-doing. We're doing the right things, but we just get worn out. Have you ever gotten to the place where it's like, I just need a break, but you can't take a break. <laughs> you know, I just, I just need some time, but there is no time. And uh, sometimes you just want to shrink away or pull the covers over your, your head and just go back to bed or... You wonder, how much longer can I take this? That, that's the outward man getting worn down. But there is a river of life in us. Jesus said, if you, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. He talks about a well of living water. There is a living water in us. And that, that Bible account is speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit within us is that well that never runs dry. And so there is refreshing available. And I don't know how many times in my life I have prayed, Lord, I need, I need the, to be renewed my inner man. I need some help. I need strength. I need wisdom I don't have. I need, you know, sometimes you need extra sleep. And sometimes you need to eat a little better. Uh, sometimes you, uh, you need to... Uh, step away for a, a planned vacation and such, but often what we really need is God to step in in a new and fresh way. And that's always available to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Uh, once we're saved, once we're born again, it's literally our unseverable connection to God. And he's got all wisdom and all power and all strength and all discernment. And all of that is within us and available to us. But I, I fear that sometimes we, we forget that. And isn't it human nature that we try to do too much on our own? You ever been there? I got it. I'll take care of this. Well, you could use some help. I'll, I'll figure it out. Well, in spiritual things, it's usually not a good idea to try to figure it out without God. Always a good idea to acknowledge your need of God and to seek His help and His strength. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is designated within us to do that. And this idea of being full of the Holy Ghost, you know, when you get saved, 
when you're born again, you get all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. So it's not as some people think, it's not you getting more of God, it's actually God getting more of you. So when I got saved as a 16-year-old young man, I got all of the Holy Spirit I was ever going to get, but honestly, the Holy Spirit had very little of me. And through the process of time, you learn to yield to Him. You learn to, here's a word, submit. Well, the world, the flesh doesn't like that, that word, does it? Uh, the, the, the world doesn't like that word. We need to submit to God. We need to obey God. We need to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, when we yield to God, God gets more of us. I, I like to think of it this way. If, if you want orange juice in a glass that's already full, you have to first empty the glass. Who wants to drink one-fifth orange juice with four-fifths water? Does that sound appetizing? But if we want to fill this cup with orange juice, we have to empty it of the water. And if you want God to fill you, then you need to empty your vessel, yourself, your spirit. You need to empty it of you, less of you, more of God. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. And that's, that's the arithmetic of discipleship. The more of you there is in control, the less of God is in control. And the less of you that's in control is more of God's in control. And this is the, the challenge where we acknowledge we need the fullness of the Holy Ghost, then we seek it. And fullness of the Holy Ghost is not what some would say, it's not speaking in tongues in, in some unknown language as the Charismatics and Pentecostals would do. It's not being slain in the Spirit and falling over uh, because the Holy Spirit touched you. It's not, they've had different fads. They had the laughing fad. You're laughing in the Spirit and the whole church just starts kind of laughing uncontrollably. That's not in the Bible. Uh, they would have the... the I forget what it was called, but literally it was like they would fall down on the floor and like wiggle like a fish out of water. And that was, well, that's you're filled with the Spirit. No, that's not what being filled with the Spirit is. Being filled with the Spirit is not weirdness. It's not, it's not all that stuff. It's simply you allowing God to fill up everything that is you. You empty yourself of you. And you get filled with more of God, and now you're able to act in a more godly manner. It's the same idea of the old man and the new man that we started talking about last year in our fall, our fall series. There's the old man and the new man, and they can't both be in the driver's seat at the same time. And what we're supposed to do is, is put down, put off the old man, and put on the new man. And the new man is, is made after God in righteousness and holiness. So every day it's you realizing and saying, God, I don't want to be in the driver's seat today. I don't want to be in charge today. I want you to be in charge today. Lord, I don't want to be filled with me today. I want to be filled with you. And a, a beautiful thing happens when someone is full of the Holy Ghost. I want to show you four examples in the Bible of people who were full of the Holy Ghost and how that changed them. Of course, Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. Think about this. He's the eternal Son of God, robed in flesh, given the Holy Ghost without measure. 
<laughs> so what a package of spiritual dynamite that is. The living word of God, speaking the word of God. Uh, everything about Jesus was, was just mind-blowingly fantastic when you understand who he is and what he did. That's why people would listen to him and say, never man spake like this man. Wow, there's something different about this guy. And the devils would sit up and listen, and the winds and the rain would obey his command. There's something different about Jesus Christ. And there's something different about you and I when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the goal is to, to be filled with the Holy Ghost so we can live more like Jesus. We read in our text, Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. And he returned from Jordan after being filled with the Holy Ghost. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes when you're Spirit-filled, uh, Satan will try to attack you and get you out of that Spirit fullness real quick. So watch this. If being filled with the Spirit means not being filled with me, then that means Satan is going to immediately try to put me in a position where I get filled back with me. <laughs> right? Temptation, where I get filled back with me. Uh, a situation where someone attacks me and now I'm filled back with my anger. I'm fighting for my rights and it's me and my. And the flesh is very selfish. So anytime we get filled with self, we can't be filled with God as we should. And so Jesus Christ goes into temptation. Uh, and we won't take time to develop all that, but you look through it three times. Satan tempts him specifically three times. Our Lord Jesus responds with the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to keep us full of the Spirit of God. And there's some beautiful tie-ins there. But we must be able to pass tests. Have you ever noticed that if you ever have a really great Sunday, that sometimes you have a really bad Monday? And, you gotta, and I often warn the church, you know, we're getting ready to go into a, a campaign. The devil's going to try to sucker punch us and get us all distracted. Somebody's going to make you mad. Somebody's going to say something they shouldn't. Someone, you're going to get offended. You know, something out of the blue is going to be financial trouble. Something is going to try to get you back in the flesh, not focused on what's coming. And we've got to be wary for that. And, and sometimes the attack comes after. Sometimes God gives the victory, and I'll even say to the church, you know, Church, we had a victory. Be careful because Satan's going to try to sucker punch you. So we might have a great program. And then something happens after the program. The idea is that in order to stay spirit-filled and stay on that upward track of, of walking with God, we have to learn to endure temptation without falling back into the old ways and into the flesh. And that was the example of Christ. And here's, here's a, a wonderful thought. We must be full of the Holy Ghost in order to be like Christ. Our Christ-likeness is dependent upon our fullness of the Spirit. Paul Chapman, filled with himself, is not very much like the Lord, I'm sorry to say. Paul Chapman, filled with the Spirit, is a totally different guy. I like him a lot better. And I've often joked with you, I don't even like myself when I'm not filled with the Spirit. <laughs> Let alone, how do I expect my wife and my kids to, to appreciate it, or for you to appreciate it. And so the, the goal is putting on the new man, being filled with the Spirit. So not only was Jesus full of the Holy Ghost, we see that the, 
early church deacons were full of the Holy Ghost. Look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. The book of Acts records the beginning of the local church. There were so many people getting saved that the apostles could not keep winning people to Christ and discipling and preaching the word and take care of the people that just needed attention. And this is always the balance of of the church. You know, when the church is is full, uh, a pastor's attention is pulled in in a lot of different directions. And even now, when when a church, uh, every church is is pulled in different directions. There's always that balance between reaching new people and caring for the people you already have. And a, a church that expects the pastor to pay attention to everybody the same is not going to be able to reach new people. Because there's only so many days in the week. A pastor is specifically suited to teach the Word of God and to pray. Now, that's not his only job, of course. But that is something that he can typically do better than everybody else in the congregation. Not always, (laughs) but uh, often. Those are his gifts and his callings and such. But he's only got so much time in the day. So in this situation, the people were complaining that the apostles weren't paying attention to the widows and the other things. And they said, so what do we do? (laughs) And God led them in Acts chapter 6. Go ahead and look at it. Verse 1, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So these widows needed daily help and uh, widows need visited and, and people in the hospital and, and folks need help and, and all of these different things. Now, verse number two, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, it's not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So these were people, they literally needed help with their meals. They needed help going to the, the doctor. They needed help going to the store and getting groceries. They, they needed someone to come and sit with them and, and talk with them. And the the Apostles were perfectly willing to do that. It's just if, if they do that, then they can't focus on reaching the new people as well. So there has to be some type of balance. <coughs> and we see here, verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, so he, they talk to the disciples here, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So God's answer was, <coughs> let's give the, the apostles, the preachers, some help because these things need to be cared for. It's just not a good idea for the preacher to stop reaching people. And folks, you'd be surprised in a lot of churches. I'm talking a lot of churches. I would probably say the majority of churches. The pastors are so bogged down with administrative work, <coughs> taking care of the buildings, the grounds, uh, visitation, things like that, 
that they don't spend near enough time out on the streets. And even in my own life, it's a tough balance. There's times where it's like, wow, I could sit behind my computer screen all day. I could be on the phone all day. I could be making visits all day. And there's times when it's like I've been overbalanced in, in not getting out enough. And then there's times where it's like, you know what? I haven't been paying the, the, the church folks enough attention. It's a, it's a constant balance that we're trying to find. But you'd be shocked about how many preachers never win a soul to Christ. You'd be shocked about how many preachers never have anybody baptized. And it's almost like that is not even part of their job description anymore, which is a huge danger because, remember, they're the ones who are specifically qualified to do that, teaching other people to do it. <coughs> and if they're not leading in that direction, then the church probably isn't going to follow that direction. And so one of my goals, I told you this year, we're doing two things. I have set aside extra time to specifically spend with church folks in our Party with the Pastor campaign. Those aren't the only times available. Uh, I would love to spend any, any amount of time with you. Uh, and, and please work that out. If, if none of those two times work for you, then talk to me. It might take me a couple weeks to get at my schedule if it's not an emergency. But let's do that. Put it on the books and, and get it there because I want to do that. But at the same time, I've also said that any time, once we got into the year, any time that wasn't taken, I'm going to take that time as an extra time to be out on the streets reaching people. Because that needs to happen too. And I, as your pastor, want to set the pace and, and set the example. And so you can pray for me about that. But this was the, the balance in the church here. But notice, there were requirements for these people that would eventually be called deacons. Deacons is just a word that means servants. These were the pastor's helpers to help with the ministry so the pastors could focus on, on the uh, preaching, prayer, oversight, those types of things. But notice these, there were some requirements here. Look at verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men. They had to be, uh, have an honest report. <coughs> they had to have a testimony of honesty. They had to be full of the Holy Ghost. They had to be full of wisdom. And those are three pretty good requirements, aren't they? Now, Timothy and Titus gives us further requirements. Really, the way you look at it in the Bible, it was uh, Christ is the, the shepherd, the pastor is the under-shepherd, and then there are deacons that are helping the pastor as he serves Christ, and then there's teachers who are helping fill out the, the plan, and then there's filters under that. Now, it's not a, it's not a hierarchy of importance. Nobody, nobody is, is necessarily more important than others uh, or more worthy than others. It's just there has to be some sort of structure. And that's why in the Bible, the, the qualifications for a deacon is very similar to the qualifications for a pastor, just a, a little bit less because it's not quite as the spiritual requirements aren't quite as steep, uh, but still there had to be requirements. And I think that you can make the case, too, that a New Testament assistant pastor and a biblical deacon have an awful lot in common. You can make the case that New Testament assistant pastors are deacons. I still like the idea of having deacons. 
And our church at this time doesn't have any. We've always functioned in the past through men's meetings and other things, which I think in a church our size is totally doable. But I think if a, if a man is willing to fulfill those requirements, there's character requirements, there's spiritual requirements, and there's time requirements. Someone may have the character and they may have the, the spirituality to do it, but they don't have any time. And in so many churches, the office of a deacon is simply like a figurehead where they have the title, and then that actually morphed over time into a lot of, a lot of churches think deacons run the church, and the pastor is just supposed to preach and the deacons take care of everything else. That's not the biblical model. Uh, we don't believe in board-run churches or those types of things. The church is Christ leads the church through the pastor with the people and there's an accountability both ways between the pastor and the people. And so, but deacons are absolutely necessary. And there should be lay people, men that say, I want to fulfill the qualifications of a deacon so, so I can be useful for the kingdom of God. And by the way, just as in for deacons, there are qualifications for the pastor's wives, or excuse me, the, the deacon's wives. So the deacon's wives have to have some qualifications too. So in God's mind, this idea of a, of a deacon, it's a high and lofty office. Never say, well, because they're not making decisions and, and running the place, it's not an important thing. It is a vital situation. And one of my goals, you, you realize that the beginning of the year, I said, I'm asking the Lord for 12 men, for 12 men that say, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in. I want to become exactly who God wants me to be. I want to be committed with my family. Ultimately, out of a group of men like that are the ones who the deacons eventually come from. Some churches, I, I know a pastor, and, and God bless him, he just felt like he needed a deacon. He made a couple deacons just so he could have them. Next thing you know, he calls me and says, hey, my deacon cussed me out today. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that shouldn't happen. You know, uh, so there, there are qualifications for a reason in these areas. But notice, come back out to the concept that these men are supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. In the average church, it's the business people or the, the people with, with business-like skills and, and good minds that are the deacons and, and uh, lay leadership but the truth is, you don't see anything in this passage about an IQ. You don't see anything in this passage about being able to speak well, although the Holy Spirit can help you speak. What you find are spiritual and character requirements. They need to be honest, have an honest report. They need to be full of the Holy Ghost. They need to be full of wisdom. There's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. I would rather our country be run by farmers by honest, well-adjusted farmers than by a lot of the smooth-talking politicians that exist today. Because there's a great difference between education and intelligence and wisdom. And so notice the, the wisdom element here. Now, you can be intelligent and wise, but that comes from being close to God. So Christ was filled with the Holy Ghost. The, the early church deacons were full of the Holy Ghost. But wait a minute. If the requirement was saying, go find yourself people full of the Holy Ghost, that means there must be a way to tell if someone's full of the Holy Ghost. 
My question is, would we recognize someone who's full of the Holy Ghost? And in a lot of churches, the answer is probably no. But the Bible tells us specifically, now in, the, in our Supernatural series, I gave you a whole lesson of 15, uh, 15 signs that someone's filled with the Holy Ghost from the Scripture. We're not going to go through all that today. But let me just give you a couple thoughts here. The first is, how can you tell if someone's filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, first of all, they're going to be honest and full of wisdom. <laughs> you know, those things go together. And what you'll find is when it comes to spiritual things, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, everything else works itself out. Amen. That is really the key. Just like salvation, it's really all about Jesus. If you get Jesus right, then you can be saved. And the Christian life is really all about the Holy Ghost. If you get the Holy Ghost right, and you learn to allow Him to work in your life and be filled with Him and what that means like in a biblical way, not in some showy, phony way, but like in a biblical way, you'll find that you naturally begin to be full of wisdom, the character of Christ, and these things uh, as the Holy Spirit works in you. So we see that they're honest and full of wisdom. Number two, we see the fruit of the Spirit is evident in the lives of those full of the Holy Ghost. So we won't turn to it, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Someone full of the Holy Ghost will display the fruit of the Spirit in how they act and how they treat people. Number three, we find that people full of the Holy Ghost will treat people like Christ did. And we won't take time to look at it, but Ephesians chapter 18 starts with, and be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I think you can go all the way down through chapter 6 and verse 9, and it tells you how relationships should work. Husbands and wives and parents and children and, and employers and employees and, and all of these things. And I think the, the overarching lesson is there, if you are filled with the Spirit, you will treat people like Christ treated people. So you start to see that, well, we can tell when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. We know, notice four that they will have boldness and power to minister. We see that in Acts chapter 4. That as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have boldness to pray. We have boldness to speak for God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have boldness to witness. And watch this, I'm a very shy person. When I personally get shy and I have a hard time passing out a track which happens, that's a red flag that at that moment, I'm not full of the Holy Spirit. If I have a hard time speaking to someone about Christ, that's a red flag to me that i got a leak somewhere <laughs> and we're all leaky vessels, but I'm not full of the Holy Spirit right now. Or this wouldn't be so hard. You see what I'm saying? If Christianity's hard for us, then that usually means just a sign that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, at least yielded to God in that area, or the Holy Spirit's not helping us like He could in that area. Let me show you the last two. So Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. The early church deacons were full of the Holy Ghost. Look at Acts chapter 7. And I just read this recently. What a fantastic story uh, about Stephen. You want to read one of the best synopses of Old Testament history, you'll find in Acts chapter 7. Stephen just gave a master class talking to the Pharisees about Old Testament history. 
and it's beautiful and well done. And of course we know because he was full of the Holy Spirit. But they got so mad at him that they began to stone him. And Stephen eventually lost his life because he spoke for Christ. But we look at Acts chapter 7, look at verse 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Verse 55, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. There's a powerful sermon there we don't have time for. Well, here we see the reason why Stephen was so bold and so eloquent. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And even in his martyred death, he looked up and saw Jesus. God pulled back the curtain and he saw Jesus in his final moments here on earth. You look at, at verse 7, Then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. That's literally them picking up big stones and throwing them at him, bruising him and breaking him and, and breaking bones and, and, and until literally their skulls would often be crushed in. Verse 59, they stoned Stephen. Stephen was calling upon God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep or he died. As he's being murdered, he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Well, I wonder if being full of the Holy Ghost would help us get along with people. <laughs> you know, like, I want to kill my wife. Well, try being full of the Holy Ghost. As she kills you, you'll say, Lord, forgive her. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand my husband. Well, we'll try being full of the Holy Ghost. That, that helps. My parents are, my kids are driving me crazy. A Holy Ghost filled parent is far better than one that's not. A Holy Ghost filled child is a far better child. And so, wonderful truths there. Let me show you this last one. Look at Acts chapter 11. A fourth example of someone in the Bible being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus, the early church deacons, Stephen. And then I'll show you the last one here. Barnabas. Barnabas is a wonderful. Bible character. The church needs more Barnabases. Everybody wants to be a Peter. But we, we really need a lot of Barnabases, which by the way, I don't necessarily want to be Peter. He was always getting in trouble, <laughs> you know, putting his foot in his mouth. Um, but we need more Barnabases. We need more Andrews. We need more of the people who are willing to, to not be out front, uh, taking all the risk and, and getting the glory. But we need people that are just willing to, to do what's right and encourage and strengthen and help. And Barnabas' name literally means son of consolation. He was a comforter. He was an encourager. He was a cheerleader. And can I just say that every Christian needs a cheerleader? Every Christian needs at least one person that says, hey, I'm for you. You're going to be okay. You're going to survive. We're going to get through this. God's going to use you. You did a good job. Everybody needs at least one person like that. And by the way, you ever, ever notice that football teams and basketball teams don't just have one cheerleader? Because it's better to have more than one. And so I think each one of us could try to be in that ministry of encouragement and try to be a cheerleader for people. But look at Acts chapter 11, verse 22. The Bible says, The tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which is in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go to as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God 
was glad and exhorted them all, exhorted is encouraged, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he, Barnabas, was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. You know, folks, if we could just be good people. Now, I know the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. That's in our flesh. We can't work our way to heaven, but you know, spirit-filled people can be decent, moral people. People of character, decency, honor. Barnabas was a good man, and we need more good men. We need good women. It was full of the Holy Ghost. His God was using him. His words didn't just speak to the ears, they spoke to the heart. And he was full of faith. He believed God. He wasn't a pessimist. He wasn't negative. He wasn't, people just say, well, I'm just being real. No, you're being doubtful. I just tell it like it is. No, you're being cynical. There's a difference between being real and being a jerk, <laughs> right? And sometimes we just like, sometimes people just say, well, I'm just being real as an excuse to cover up their thoughtless sayings and their, their difficult way of handling things. And so it's good to tell the truth, but it's better to tell the truth with moral goodness, faith, and the Holy Ghost. And so these are four times where people were filled with the Holy Ghost. And here's my admonition to the church tonight. We're going into a spring, and many of us are already tired. Coming off of sickness, a lot of things going on in our, our lives, and, and everything else, and we have an important spiritual work to do before us. It's important that we are filled with the Holy Ghost going into our spring program. And really every day, it should be on your morning prayer list every day. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. There's three ways to be filled with the Holy Ghost very simply. Number one is to yield to Him. You yield to Him. You submit. Number two is you pray for him. Luke chapter 4 talks about praying for the Holy Ghost. We pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I yield myself to you. And then once he starts directing us, we stay yielded, we listen. And then we yield to him, we pray for him, we keep obeying him as we go along. Anytime that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading you, it's wonderful. And then we get filled with ourself. That little self creeps back in and we start telling him no. And then we lose. It's almost like having that wind in your sails. And then we lose that wind and now we're back to just us. It's a terrible feeling. We yield to him. We pray for him. We obey him. Uh, and you keep following that model and the Lord will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so let's go into this week and this spring really praying about that. And may God help us. Lord, thank you for the truth. I pray that you'd help us to be full of you, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That we'd yield to you in every way possible. And we'd ask you to guide us, to lead us, to empower us, give us boldness, forgive us for all the times that we have told you no, for all the times we've gotten self-willed and, and stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Oh, Lord, help us to be filled with you, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want you to take a moment.
and sincerely ask yourself and ask the Lord, Lord, am I filled with the Holy Ghost? I mean, right now. Do I, am I filled with the Holy Ghost? Does God have me? Or you know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm about half full with myself. To the extent that you're willing to empty you of you and yield to God, to that extent you're going to have more of God's power and direction and fellowship.